Welcome to another edition of the Always Be Testing Podcast with your host, Ty DeGrange. Get a guided tour of the world of growth, performance marketing, customer acquisition, paid media, and affiliate marketing. We talk with industry experts and discuss experiments and their learnings in growth, marketing, and life. Time to nerd out, check your biases at the door, and have some fun talking about data-driven growth and lessons learned. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Always Be Testing. I'm your host, Ty DeGrange, and I'm really, really happy to have Chase Moseni on our show today. What's up, Chase? What up, my brother? How are you? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you and I feel like you've brought so much podcast love, so much knowledge to so many communities and um, it's just awesome to have you on the call and dive in with you and talk about all the things. Yeah, 100%. Very, very excited to do that. I appreciate you um, having the gumption to wear the, the Padres hat today. It shows some show some guts and I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, this is what we do. This is what we do. We uh, we try to poke our friends in the ribs to remind them that, you know, just because you got more rings than us doesn't mean anything. We're still out here. We're still fighting. Still in the arena fighting. It's yeah. I love it. I love it, baby. 100%. Awesome. Chase, for those of you who don't know, he's very active in a number of amazing uh, growth, performance marketing, SaaS, and D2C communities. He's the current CMO of Heatmap. He's been active and awesomely helpful to a ton of folks, including myself on D2C Twitter. He's a B2B SaaS growth and performance marketing pro. Prior to Heatmap, he was leading marketing for Pencil, an awesome AI ad tool. He's run performance marketing at brands like Guthy Rinker and House, And so he's just got a wealth of knowledge. I'm fired up to dive in with him today. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm really excited. How'd I do? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I, I'm more impressive than I think, maybe. I think so. Chase, you you, uh, you talk a little bit about vibe check. I know it's a term that might get a bit of an eye roll, maybe be a question mark for some people. Like, How would you define that and how do you kind of think about that when you collaborate with people and you talk to individuals? Yeah, it gets an eye roll because it's not it's non-technical. I'm doing air quotes, but there's a lot of things that go into that that are technical, which is let's just say it's a personal vibe check. Well, say you've been in the game 10, 12, 15, 20 years, you essentially have a certain amount of rigor around the people you associate yourself with, both in terms of their kind of personality, but also their rigor with which they employ kind of business practices. And so when I say vibe check, it's just a fun way of saying, does this person kind of cross the floor of what your expectation of your inner circle would be on a personal level in terms of business? Or are they kind of outer circle people? In terms of businesses, e-commerce is also especially interesting across this because how much of an insular community, even at the really scaled enterprise levels it is, people are always watching what everyone is doing and trying to get an edge or learn something new that they can take back home. So if it's them watching rising seven-figure brands and their nine-figure, ten-figure brand, they're they're trying to figure out what everyone is doing. And so as one of their partners in growth across all of these companies, you're essentially trying to say, hey, look, we are absolutely fantastic at what we do, i.e. what our software provides. 
but we also make it delightful to spend time with us providing said software to your company, whether you have some sort of issue or you're trying to become part of kind of our marketing, you know, like part of our marketing sphere where we push your personal brand, et cetera, you're not going to have, you're going to have a delightful experience either way. And so the vibe check goes on your personal side, but it also goes on the business side. And um, I don't know how many deals I have won that have been say, okay, well, I mean, you can speak to this, how much you, how many years we've been in business together. And it's been, Hey, maybe this platform isn't giving me all the value that I could extract from it from a dollar ROI. But because we have a great personal relationship, I'm able to know that I can extract said value plus have you as an add on bonus to the value that I'm receiving from the platform. So I think it sounds non-technical, but it 100% is, it's just predicated on, you know, I wouldn't 22 year old me wouldn't be able to have as good of an answer to that. So you're like, oh, it's just my, it's my homies. We, we do business together. Now it is, do we all seem like we're pointed in the right direction together and we are willing to only provide value? Like that is the floor yeah. of the ability to pass the vibe. You're touching on all sorts of great, important things that I think are, are real, real valuable. Uh, you know, there's the saying of like, you're not going to hire an individual unless you can, what is it, be stuck in an airport with them or something like that. There's a lot of, these barometer gut checks, if you will. And I think as you get more mature in your professional career and you get more comfortable with your own gut check and your own gut level assessment of things, and obviously you're looking at data, you're looking at performance, you're looking at all sorts of metrics as we do in our industry. I think it just is a good reminder that one's gut is a really important data point. Yeah. That sometimes I think as you mature and improve in your judgment, in your career and in your life becomes an even more valuable measurement. I think that uh, what you just said is probably the most important one, which is this ability to listen to your gut matures as you mature. And so, you know, you've heard that don't overthink the room kind of thing. And I have done it many times. And so there's this old saying that I heard from a filmmaker back in the day. So I'm repeating what he said. So if anyone wants to cancel me, this is from him. It's not from me. Uh, it says, if nine Russians tell you to lie down, you lie down. And the idea is like, if you're, if you have like this very visceral response to any sort of situation, whether it's like a situation you've been put in one that you go into with a person in an interaction and you have a very visceral response to it, you should probably listen to that because you will either regret it later or you'll regret it in the moment because you did it, or you'll pay the piper kind of down the road. I like generally, generally, because people say, don't listen to your, don't listen to your gut. I think when it comes to people, always listen to your gut. When it comes to partnering companies, always listen to your gut. If it's just you versus you, that's another conversation because that's a whole host of other things that we're not going to deal with on your own personal psychology. But when it comes to kind of this outward, the different spheres of influence that are kind of trying to attack Mm -hmm. the inner castle, those things, I think you can listen to your gut a little bit more. Inner castle, you versus you, that's the whole, you know, talk to your therapist. That's that's not for us here. Yeah, we can provide some recommendations for uh, pros, but we're not going to dispense uh, legal, tax, or psychological advice on today's Yeah, podcast. this is not therapeutic advice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe jumping to a more tangible topic, yeah. perhaps, what would you describe in a very simple terms? Like you've really operated at a very high level in driving marketing for B2B SaaS brands in the last last two roles with Pencil and now with Heatmap. Can you distill it down into the really core of what you what you do in your current role and your in your previous role? Yeah. So like there's a lot of the whole technical, we drive leads, we do this, we do that. 
So the best way I heard someone say this, said it to me recently, is they think of B2B marketing as surround sound marketing, i.e. you have to be ubiquitous and ever-present in everyone's minds. And the idea is they won't be in funnel yet, but the minute they are, you're the first person they speak to. And so how do you do this? Well, there are multiple channels across organic that you can interact with. There are multiple ways across paid that you can essentially kind of blend the numbers. And there are multiple ways through product growth that you can do these things. And so my job essentially is to look at kind of the different tranches of interactions with people and understand where we can hit them that's going to have the highest impact for today and the future. And so like a a way I look at it is I've been working on this. Uh, this is an early stage. It's the first time I'm talking about this out loud. Is I've been working on this framework called like reasons to contact or, or RTC. And the idea is like what, what spheres do people sit in that allow you to contact them? And so it's like there's your product, there's your organic marketing, there's your paid. And people say that might be a little too um, a little too simplistic in terms of the different spheres. The way I look at it, though, is it's my job to understand the spheres, understand the impact of all of the different the different activities we can do under those spheres and kind of benchmark it against what we're trying to hit downstream and then take a couple of big bets every time we kind of go into that and have and have the vision for those specific things. So TLDR. I like the Sorrento. Yeah. TLDR. You want to essentially be ever present and ubiquitous in people's lives and have a kind of a surround sound marketing approach. And it's my job to make those things happen. And there's going to be some really tactical stuff we can do. And then there's going to be some stuff where you brute force it around some organic things that aren't quote unquote scalable, but will have a lot of impact, especially when you're starting out. So there's some, you'll listen to other podcasts. We'll give you very, very like you do this, you do this, you do this. I think that is so company and category dependent that it's unfair to paint with such a wide brush. What I will say is you just want to be on top of people's mind. That's it. Yeah. So how do you do that? I like that. The surround sound is a nice, I think, succinct understanding. And I, I also want to tip the cap to you because I feel like with your work in your last, you know, in your last few years, you have really, I think, cemented yourself as a really trusted voice. You have you have shown just awesome uh, support, integrity, empathy, uh, marketing knowledge to the DTC Twitter community to the SaaS B2B uh, knowledge community in terms of how you market, how do you go to market, how do you think about growth, how do you how do you take action? You kind of combine a lot of that into a pretty awesome, like we joke and have sports analogies about Giants versus Padres, but you're kind of like a, a good athlete and a good player on the field and a good teammate. And I want to want to commend that. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Coming from you, it means uh, it means the world. I think the only thing we can do is try our best. Is such a cliche analogy, but it's like sure. at the end of the day, the business is the business. You don't leave with that scorecard. You leave with like, did I leave it all out on the field today? And so, forgive all the cringe uh, sports analogies Ty and I are going to make. We're we're still in the early innings. <laughs> we're in the early grab innings of the podcast. Yeah, grab grab a seat. Grab a grab water. Popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Grab a Bud Light. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a seventh inning stretch. Sorry, guys. It's just dad jokes all around here. <laughs> yeah, it's going to inter- interweave sports, salary cap, free agency, performance marketing, Twitter. It's going to get 
it's going to get weird. You name it, it's going to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally weird. We'll probably, people can only see our text messages. Like talk. Yeah. Yeah. We Hopefully those don't, don't get leaked. Yeah. Don't have to show the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, we'll spare you the Napoleon talk. We'll, we'll see maybe, maybe for another maybe. episode. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. And obviously we want to be, we'll get into some good stuff, not just for our own amusement. I want to come back to the front row, back row concept because I, I think it's interesting in terms of like people you associate yourself with. So maybe we'll put a pin in that one. Sure. You dropped on a really good one on kind of what you do. Maybe we talk a lot about learnings, you know, career, individual experiment learnings, life learnings. Yeah. As you kind of made this kind of progression from running paid marketing at a consumer brand to really like building a SaaS brand for what you used to be the the consumer and the 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 D2C ecom brand and now doing it uh, in spades for heat map can you discuss a little bit what that was like for you how did you navigate that transition what do maybe some of the learnings you you gathered through that process it's really easy to look back and connect all the dots and say that you know this this map was incredibly linear and it le- it was always leading here and all of these things i think the the real truth of the matter is when you look back, it's all kind of atoms exploding across the universe. And like you just hit on something, you're like, oh shit, I'm going to double down on said thing. I just worked really hard. That sounds crazy. And I am a, um, I'm a learning machine. And so if I, if you ask my wife, she literally hates it. If I don't, if I'm not spending time with her or the kids, and sometimes when I am, I have an AirPod in and I'm listening to a book or a podcast. If I'm not, watching something with her or talking to her, I have my nose in a book or I'm reading some sort of blog post. And the idea is I have always felt um, like not the smartest person in the room. And I used to think that was a detriment. Now I know it's a huge, huge benefit to me because it means I'm willing to work harder than almost anybody. And so most people, and it gets cliche, work the hardest in the room. It really just comes down to the old Elon Musk. If I work 12 hours and every a day and everyone else works eight hours a day. I'm getting however many percent. What, what is that? Like I'm getting 50% more work done every single day. So for every two days they work, I work three for every four days they work. I work. What is that? I work five or six. And so the idea is like, well, if you're a learning machine, plus you're willing to do more, what does that make you? And what, how does that compound over time? And so I always come back to the thing I tell myself all the time, and maybe this is just me saying it to myself. So I feel good about it, but Ben Franklin said, um, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, or I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but this goes for anything that you're essentially allowing to compound in the positive and the negative. So that's my macro rant in terms of tactically. What I did is I looked at the people that I really respected. And then I looked at the people that they really respected and I went and figured out what, where they went for their knowledge. And so one of the things you and I have bonded on a lot is reforge. And so reforge was an incredible, Two things. It, it really helped me have a base floor understanding of all of the component pieces. What these companies have allowed me to do is have a playground with which to experiment through all of the different learnings and figure out my version of them, right? Like frameworks are just a jumping off point for all the things you figure out as you build and what becomes unique to you. 
So I, I frequently come back to those things to kind of reassess how I'm looking at things. You know, they built an amazing product called Artifacts where it's a fun thing to go and look at other people's, the way they look at things. And the, the funny thing is, if you look at every single one of them, the heart of everything is kind of the same, but the way they do it is different. And so you can kind of go and say, okay, I'm going to Frankenstein all this shit and put it together. I think the other big one is how have you done this? Well, I have a, a framework that I go with any job or advising or anything, which is... Um, does the problem excite me and do the people challenge me? And so the problem excited me. Yeah, there are a lot of exciting problems that you can solve. But like, do you think about it before you go to bed? Do you think about it when you wake up? Are the people there make you feel like, oh man, I've got to really up my game because I'm not even close to their level and I don't think I will be for a long time. And so those two things, that requires a huge amount of humble pie to say, I know I'm great and I want to be around people who make me feel like shit because it's people just want to feel good all the time, right? It's, it's a pretty natural state of being. So it's a very non-technical answer I just gave you, but essentially the, the kind of the core thread of what I've said is be a learning machine, understand who your influences are and then what their influences are and go study their influences to figure out those things and just rigorously test every single thing that you can. I'm not a numbers person by trade. I've turned, I've become one. And really where I find my, um, and I can, I'm sure former bosses could tell you I'm not a numbers person by trade. What I have learned is I find a lot of truth in numbers that then I can go and uh, dance with on the other side, which comes more naturally yep. to me, which is branding or all, all of these other things that, that is the world I came from and more speak more naturally to my personality, yep. what I value. And so I think you just got to figure out what's the language that everyone speaks, learn how to speak it very proficiently and then layer on what's magic about you. Love it. There's you, folks that know us both are, you know, who are listening are probably thinking like, yeah, I can see why these guys are clicking because like, the, the work ethic, the, the lifelong learning and be a learning machine aspect, the love for uh, Charlie Munger and, and yeah. you know, history. Like there's, I know that these are maybe cheesy to, or bro to folks, but I think they're real and genuine and come from a good place. And, and it's, it's good for, good for a lot of folks and it, it fuels us. So it's impressive to hear and it's appreciated that you're sharing that. hundred percent. No, thank you. Yeah. The, what's your favorite, do you have a reforge framework that kind of, maybe jumps out at you that you want to share with the, the group or one that just so like a, what's on your greatest hit list there? It's not a framework within uh, it's, it's an article written um, by Michael Taylor and Yusuf uh, Baiji. It's about word of mouth coefficient um, and how to measure like K factor and virality. So as a SaaS company, my, and it sounds crazy because a lot of people I think will disagree with me, but my, my God metric is, can I build something with a really, powerful K factor, because that means that I built something that has impact for customers and that they're willing to share, which brings down my CAC. And so the same way people are trying to find amazing ad hooks and, and better uh, landing pages and, and websites through the software that I've provided, I similarly want to provide something that makes them want to say, oh, fuck, let me tell my friends about this or community that I'm in, or get all my teammates on here so that essentially our retention gets better and then they have the ability to tell their friends and you know teammates and, and communities about it. And so that's probably the biggest one. It had a really huge impact on me. I, I was very lucky at that time as a fledgling B2B marketer to just, because again, lifelong learner, people are start talking about stuff in communities. Like I'll help 
you know, I'll just, whatever, let me be a fly on the wall. And so when they were concepting that entire framework and structure, I was in like a Slack chat with them somehow. Um, and I've, I've come to become uh, buddies with both of them. And it was a real, it made a really indelible impact on me looking at the, the data behind what they were talking about. And so that's probably the one that has the biggest impact, biggest impact on me. I think the other one is just a standard growth loop. Like how do you actually build something that has continuous inputs out of outputs. I think like you can sit here and say, oh, there's all these other big, really like more intense detailed builds on top of that. But it's the same thing as any sort of meat and potatoes type sports analogy you want to make. To have a good passing game, you got to run the ball well. To be able to score runs, you got to hit singles and doubles and move runners, move runners across. And similarly, to build all these other advanced frameworks, you have to have a naturally occurring growth loop or one that you know that you can spin in some sort of meaningful way once you get customers into your, into your product. And so just constantly thinking about that because all the other things are just icing on top of that cake, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that the, the loops synthesized by Reforge were so foundational. And I think there was a lot of other kind of like, you know, common language you know, intelligent thinking and uh, systems thinking that I think was not necessarily revolutionary, but I think it gave a lot of people a chance to kind of build upon it, prove it. There's a lot of like specific wins and learnings that I think people gained and it kind of allowed it to build on, on top of itself. So it's been, it's been pretty awesome to be a part of with you and with others and love to hear your thoughts on it. What a good example. You talked a little bit about being a learning machine. Can you maybe give the audience a little, you've given me personally yeah. some great book recommendations over the years. And I think we're like sharing books, like just minutes before this call hit, yeah. hit record. Yeah. Is there one in particular or a couple that maybe you want to share with the audience? I'll give a couple that have really impacted my thinking recently. I just finished listening to Only the Paranoid Survive, which is a quick Andy Grove book that I think um, he wrote it 25, 30 years ago. And some of the stuff is really funny because how salient it was back then and how essentially all of his predictions came true. But at the core of that book, it is like very, very impactful. What are 10x factors that are going to change your business in some way? And so it's like always trying to look over your shoulder to say, is there something coming that I can use? Is there something coming that's trying to kill me? What do I do? Another one is seven power laws. So you can see kind of there's a string here going along between those two things, which really, really helpful in terms of thinking like what actually makes you the possibility to make an enduring, durable business. I'm reading one right now that I've been finding really fascinating and good called Trillion Dollar Coach about old Intuit CEO, Bill Campbell, that I don't know, speaks to my soul because it's about coaching and he was a football coach and then became a, a tech CEO so those three have been really, um, really fascinating. I'm, I'm reading a book called The Beautiful and the Vile, and it's about um, Churchill and the first year of the Blitz. And so that's been, that's been fun. I've been, I've been a little slow on that one, to be honest with you. And then I'm reading, an, I'm reading a thing called The Daily Dad, which is essentially a build on The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. And so it's essentially about like, what should you think about on a daily basis? And it's really funny. Not, not every day reframes your thinking, but every once in a while. And it's such a funny, like, if I hadn't read it, I wouldn't have thought this way. And it's just one page a day. But there's these days you just need it. It's weird how like the page, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the teacher arrives or the master arrives when the student is ready. It's like that page arrives when, when I'm ready to, uh, to accept it. So those are some of them. But I would say the, like, if I had to, in terms of just books, it really indexes on um, 
business, history, and philosophy. Like those are the three things that I spend uh, most of my time reading about. Um, and then on blogs, it's really just like all growth marketing related. Love it. There's so much good stuff in there and a lot for people to dive into. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan. More, more to share. Yeah. 100%. More to add to the RBL reading list, my reading list, all good stuff. 100%. You know, you obviously spend a lot of time with ads, you know, running ads in, in, in-house, talking to agencies like ours, just going so deep with the pencil experience and building that out, improving. What are your thoughts on kind of like the AI ad ecosystem for those interested in it? it there's a lot to unpack there, but I'm curious to know maybe what, what are people maybe missing that they could, should know about? AI applied to paid ads? I'll give a more macro view on AI and then dive into ads. And so I think if you don't understand where or what you're trying to do and accomplish, like an AI is not a good partner in crime. If you have a very, very direct, focused output that you're looking for and you can give it a very rigorous input, you'll be able to have a really good outcome. And so what does that mean? It means shit in, shit out, gold in, gold out, just more gold faster. And so I think the the way that this whole thing has been positioned is, oh my God, AI is the most incredible thing ever. And when you really see people getting massive impact out of it, it is, oh, they're like people are now prompt engineers, right? This is on their LinkedIn. And so people have an amazing prompt that they can give chat GPT or Bard or something else, something else like that, one of the other LLMs. They have the whole mid-journey community. It's like, okay, they have classes about doing good prompts in mid-journey now on Maven. And they're great classes. I have friends who have taken them. They have an an amazing time. And so the idea is when I first started, it was just this expectation that there was magic. And I still think there is a huge expectation of magic from the audience writ large. I think what builders are starting to learn is like how to frame that by forcing people into something, but giving them an easy on-ramp to that. So I'm using something called... um, called Cast Magic right now, which you should check out. Um, it's by the guys who started Trend.io, uh, which got bought by Suna. And they build this thing. So you just upload your... It's similar. It's kind of Riverside, which we're using right now, has a similar kind of stuff where like Riverside now, uh, for instance, will give, has AI built into it. So it builds these show notes for you right away, right? And it logs timestamps, et cetera. Oh my God. Like that is huge value. Before I had to go through it, I had to have a VA do it. It was like, it was just a horrible fucking experience. Now it's done. Okay. You want to make some AI clips. So there's Opus or which has gotten quite good, or you can do it in Riverside, which is getting better and better. Are the clips perfect? No, but it cuts something that's 80% of the way there. And they've made it really easy to do that. So it's an on-ramp to getting something faster. But if I expected it to cut something perfectly, and I expected the description that it wrote for me to be perfect, I would always be angry. But if I understand, like, look, I'm just getting 80% of the way there, that cuts out. If I was going to work on something for an hour, now I got to work on it for 12 minutes. Like, that is a fantastic outcome for me in my life. And so, with ads specifically, if you're trying to make a video ad, there are a lot of inputs you need to you need to make it work. There are a lot of preconceived notions about the ad creative that come in with years of building set ads for your company. What I would say is understand what the AI can do for you and don't get frustrated that it didn't do the thing that's in your head. (laughs) The point of it is to get you closer to the end of the experience than you would have been if you had not done it at all and be able to scale that 
to say 10, 20, 30 different outputs that you wouldn't have had. I also think a lot of small companies are looking for a silver bullet and there's no silver bullet other than testing and having a good product. And like that, that is not what people want to hear, but it, this is just, it's eating your Wheaties, right? Have a good product, have a good value proposition, have a good funnel, stop fucking around with hacks. Like they, they never actually work term unless you want to just make a quick buck, which is by the way, totally fine. Again, everyone has done it a little bit here and there, but you're trying to build something build, uh, enduring and durable. The basics will always apply. AI is just an accelerant to those things. It may be a good segue of when you say enduring, durable. Yeah. We talk about long-term things, like not to get too philosophical, but what are you, what kind of has your eye on the horizon ahead for Chase? Like what is, what does the future hold for you that you can share with the audience in terms of what you're aiming for and what you're striving for? Yeah. I mean, I think we're just trying to build a heat map into the, uh, into the best, CRO software the world has ever seen. That sounds like really lofty. I I think the thing we talk about internally is can we help every brand in the world that works with us have a better outcome by simply using our software? And can we make it a delightful experience along the way? Whether they're interacting with us through our content, whether they're interacting with us through kind of CS, whatever that, whatever experience that is, we want to make it a delightful experience to make more money, which as most people know, making more money is generally not a delightful experience. It's a very difficult experience. So our job is to make that easier and faster for people. That's awesome. What's top of mind for that? Essentially, it's like building an incredible go-to-market engine that uh, has a, has an incredible uh, virality coefficient. And I think my business mission in life is to just help entrepreneurs have an easier time. And so it's just really trying to unlock that through building useful companies. So heatmap.com is top of mind on doing that right now, but also just helping any friends that I have that are doing the same thing, make sure that, you know, just asking them questions that might help them do that in a, in a, make it easier for them where maybe it's been harder for me. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Are there particular things as you think about building heat map to what the goal is? And it's, it sounds like it's, it's super exciting. What are some of the things you're kind of like, okay, I'm hoping to kind of line out the following this coming year? What are you looking forward to maybe in 2024 as it relates to heat map? It's a good question. We've been doing some, uh, our annual planning, looking at kind of our revenue projections, what we need to do. And so I always laugh at revenue projections because essentially like between current revenue projection and next revenue projection is a lot of human things that need to be done. But it's like, here's a number figured out. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. That's more of a, like, this is a good thing. And so I was talking to a friend of mine who's a CEO at a pretty a CMO at a pretty big company. He's like, look, this whole annual planning thing is like a dance. And so here's my version of it. It's like a he, the way I heard it in my head was like it's a dance during um West Side story, where it's essentially like the two warring factions going back and forth. Like, here's my version, here's my version. Obviously, it doesn't have to be that adversarial, but sure. What do I want to accomplish this year for us? Obviously, there's certain numbers that I, I can't share that I want to hit. Yeah. What I do want to do is essentially build this whole surround sound marketing engine so that we become the predominant e-commerce solution for for heat mapping and CRO software. And so lofty vision, but whenever we get inside of a, um, or we get attached to a a website, within a week, we can give them stuff that's going to 
like double their conversion rate. And so my whole thing is who is stupid enough not to want to do that? Yeah. If they're there, then I have not done my job at making it feel so easy that they can do that. And so it's just building out the channels that essentially allow people to allow people to have a really easy, I keep saying on ramps, but I really mean it like a really easy on ramp into the, uh, into the business. Yeah. All the product stuff we work on and all the, um, all of the tactical things, but on a macro level, I just want to make it super easy for businesses to feel like they have their business and their analytics are in good hands so that they can make really, really impactful decisions that drive, you know, drive business results. Love it. I love that. I think you have, I've been impressed at your ability to go, go in deep with rigor, get nerdy and go through, get your hands dirty with conversations, execution, data, knowing a lot of the levers that can be pulled and, and suggesting, recommending helpful ways for people to pull those levers. But I also commend you for, there's a, ability to distill down the message to people in a simple way that cuts through the noise and really I think helps people digest, helps people make buying decisions. It's yeah, I just want to give you props for that from my observation. Uh thanks man. I think it's um it's just about spending time with customers. Like by the way, that's not just everyone's like go interview your customers. I don't mean that. I mean like watch user sessions, have surveys Talk to them through, you know, Slack. Mm-hmm. You have that as, as a part of it. Talk to them through social, whatever ways you can get f- feedback and understand what's going on in the market at large, but also what's going on individually with your customers. Because yeah. I mean, a lot of times, what companies do is they say like, "Oh, okay, well, this is this is happening in the market, or you know, my customers are churning." It's like, well, have you? What if companies shut down? Like Smile Direct Club just officially shuttered. What if they're one of your clients? You're like, oh my God, we lost an enterprise client. It's like, no, they went fucking bankrupt. Like that's actually what happened. It had nothing to do with you. You don't know that um, unless you're reading the trades. And I mean, who? if you don't know that, you're not really reading or paying attention. But you kind of get what I'm saying is there's a lot of different headwinds and things that are going on internally at companies that you know dashboards don't show you yep. at going to an event or talking to someone that you won't get unless you really have a pulse on what's going on. So you say like, okay, that's not that's not scalable. We have X amount of customers. Okay, we well, have a team. You can train your team to have a pulse as well on everything that's going on. If you can build an army of people that are keeping a check on it, and maybe they only do it, you know, thirty percent as well as you, but you have five people. That's one and a half versions of you out there in the world. I think it is understanding that you, know, you want to be same thing. We're talking about being a learning machine. You want to be kind of built a customer centric engine within your business. And this comes top down, by the way, like you really have to say, okay, the top level people have to care about their customers at a really deep level. So anyway, that is uh, that's, that's what I think. I love it. I was going to kind of segue into the customer asking of questions and learning about their challenges and pain point and journey and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Can you share some, maybe examples through your understanding of the heat map customer or perhaps, you know, previous roles. Like I'd love to learn a couple examples that really just jumped off the page for you, either in a zoom call or in a, you know, loom or, or looking at user testing.com. Like what's, what's a customer experience that really like hit you hard that made them, you know, that really kind of was an aha moment for you with heat map or with other experiences. I'll use a data-centric example. 
from Pencil where we were looking at our, um, I would look at our, our daily dashboards and weekly dashboards, monthly dashboards to see you're like, okay, is this a, trying to figure this out. Is this a weekly, monthly, daily kind of active usage platform? We don't know because we're, you know, we're building in the dark because we're, this is not five, 10 years worth of data. We're, we're building all of the um, data runway that we have. So what we found was, okay, we're watching exports. This is kind of the kind of key metric that we have, how many people have exported on a weekly basis. What we found was if we can get someone into a bi-monthly, so we wanted weekly, but just bi-monthly cadence of exporting, their LTV like doubled. So like, okay, let's go talk to people now and understand, all right, this is a data insight here. Let's go, we have a quantitative piece of feedback. Let's go get some qualitative feedback. So if anyone's tried to do this, it's very hard to get customers on the phone because no one wants to talk to you because they have hard things going on in their lives. What I had been doing on the back end is a lot of these people we had closer relationship with. So you're cultivating them through Slack, you know, text, whatever. And essentially like this sounds very pointed, but you want to just give as much value away as you can. So like, Hey, I thought about this for you. I thought about this for you. And I really do mean it when I do it, but you can look at it and say like, okay, there is a business imperative around it as well. So that when you go bake the ass, people are willing to say an hour, fuck it. Let's spend three hours together. I'll show you everything. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had people be willing to lift the veil on their business, what's going on. In a really surprising degree, when you start asking questions, you say, look, our goal in doing this is say, like, we understand that we get the benefit of you exporting because you stay around longer, but how can we make it even more delightful either so that you want to do it once a week or that even though you're doing it twice a week, you do it at a higher scale and you tell your friends about it. And so... Then you start saying, okay, well, this is this, this is this, these, these three things are incredible, but these four things kind of add friction. All right, let's go. Now let's go to the product. And hey, I had these conversations it's from this cohort. These are the most valuable people. Let's go and look at how we have designed this engine. Okay, what are the things that I can do right now that are kind of duct tape, that are duct tape versions of this? What are the things that are going to take a long time? Anyone has built any sort of product, you understand implementing product changes always two to three times as long as it is scoped to be. Oh, it's going to be two weeks, four weeks, guaranteed, right? And that's if that is a main focus. If it is something kind of middle roadmap or you have something else that you're shipping, six weeks, eight weeks, these kind of things change. So you have to find a new way. So like a, uh, there, are, there are things for onboarding, for instance, you know, you can build you know, Notion workspaces. You can go, um, there's a company um, called Ever After, which does, Ever After AI, which you can build kind of no-code onboardings. You can use Intercom, some of these other intermediaries that aren't owned solutions and they aren't final solutions, but they are things you can do in the interim to get to you know, 40, 50, 60% of the answer. They won't feel good. You won't say they're not branded well enough, all of these things, but they at least are helping the cust- you get your customers into a world that you want them to live in. So the way I always look at it is, you know, New York used to be just, New York City was this island with a bunch of trees. I read this book called The City at the Center of the Earth or something, and it's about the founding of New York. And it's like, oh, it just used to be this little outpost that was covered in, uh, covered in trees. Would you believe that there was only trees on Manhattan Island 400 years ago? Absolutely not. But like, they went and built a city, then they went and built some streets, then they went and built this and this and this and this. And so a place that was just trees now is a, a metropolis, an urban metropolis that is made of concrete. And the same thing goes for same thing goes for products. So that's a very, I don't want to say linear, but like a, a TLDR version of something that happened over the course of like two and a half, three months that had a, a, a huge impact 
on the company. But it all comes down to grounding yourselves in either some sort of quantitative or qualitative feedback from your customers, understanding what their wants versus their needs are. And essentially, this is how I look at it. Build what they need, but couch it in what they want so that they feel like they made the decision to get you this thing and it feels really good to them, but they're actually doing the thing that you know they need more. And so again, very nebulous answer there. That's going to mean something for everybody, but let's just say, you know, no. we're trying to make this podcast. What do we want to do? Well, we want just two friends want to share. What do we need to do? Well, we need to share very deep learning so that someone else who's listening gets something out of it and learns something or passes it along so that the next person who's having this problem doesn't have to have the same problems, right? That's for me, my want versus my need, right? Same, it's all, it's all kind of work from there. You just, just dropped uh, quite a lot of knowledge of what you learned through the test. So, yeah. you know, honoring the, the namesake of the pod and uh, I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. What gets you most fired up about 2024 as we approach the, the new year? I mean, you know me, man, I'm like perpetual fired up. <laughs> I think... Um, if just speaking towards heatmap.com, it's really the early innings of that game. And I think um, yeah. the more I spend time with companies understanding their needs, I still think people are very, not undereducated, just like unenlightened about what CRO does for businesses mm-hmm. and what the actual impact is over time. So I think when people think about ads or they think about optimizing you know, their shopping cart, it's like, automatic, we get money and they don't think about what happens, you know, upstream, downstream to their customers, to their, like the size of their funnel, all these things. It's like, well, I'm going to get better customers today. Okay. What happens when the river runs dry and there are no more trout, right? Cause you overfished or you put a dam on and you're like, okay, I only need this amount of, uh, only this amount of, uh, a fish. So mm-hmm. what does a website do? It is the conduit from your traffic to your money. And so what I want to do is help people understand as much as possible how much they need that, that bridge to actually lead them to the, the promised land. It's a ridiculous thing to say, but like revenue land um, is probably a profit land is a b- better way to say it. So we, oh man, that should be our conference. True. Profit land. I like that. So that's really, I, I'm very excited about being able to educate and enlighten um, as many people as possible on the, the impact CRO has on their business. And they want to use heatmap.com. I'm not angry about it, but on a macro level, just make sure people are not leaving their website behind because far too many people do. Yeah, 100%. I could not agree more. I love that. Do you have any uh, any any predictions for 2024? You can be bold and crazy if you'd like, and there's no wrong answer. I think we'll see the investment market swing back a little bit. Not 2020, 2021 levels by any means, but kind of this valley we've seen in 2020, back half of 2022 and 2023. The interesting signals I've been I've been seeing and, and talking to investors, etc. So we'll see. Maybe I'll you know in six months you'll be like you fucking moron. <laughs> I think the other one is companies like everyone swings very quickly between pendulums. I, I always say like, look, I'm just the history guy, so I, I sit back and I say like, okay, this is just a cycle, and so. We spent a lot of money. Now we're being really fiscally conservative. And then we spent a lot of money. Now we're being fiscally conservative. Then we spent a lot of money. Then we're being fiscally conservative. And so we're in a fiscally conservative cycle right now. I think the companies that got early, that were early on being fiscally conservative are going to start spending again because there's there's opportunity to, to win. 
because people are saying, okay, I want to push towards profitability. I'm trying to watch these numbers. And there's just, for instance, ad inventory or other things that it's going to exist at a more efficient cost than it did before. One thing that I am, uh, I'm always very bearish on in the long term is every time anyone talks about a channel, they're like, it's crushing. And nine months later, they're like, oh, it's not that great anymore. And it's like, okay, you have first mover advantage. Yeah, it's just, it's just arbitrage. And so right now, one thing, and I don't know when this is going to come out, but everyone is talking about TikTok shops. And it's like, all right, dude, cool, man. This is just another placement on channels. Instagram stories used to quote unquote slap before it got saturated. Okay, we're gonna like every single one becomes just another placement. And so what I'm bearish on in the in the extreme is anyone saying that any placement is a panacea for their business. Just being good at what you do is a panacea. There's no other there's no other silver bullet. There's nothing else that is going to actually save you or your business than being really good at all the fundamentals. Everything else is just an accelerant that will eventually die down. So for instance, and this is a throwback tie, maybe the kids listening to this won't remember, but Fast and the Furious 1, you hit the NOS to have a 10-second ah. car, right? Well, you hit the NOS, okay, you get that 10-second car, and then the NOS is gone. And so all these channels are just NOS or gasoline, but the fire eventually needs kindling, and that is being great at the basics. And so... I would just call out to everyone, be great at the basics, use the accelerants, understand what they can and can't do for you, but don't fall prey to hyperbole. Like it's just, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't help anybody like say, Hey, this is a great channel for me. You should test it. I don't know how long it's going to be like this. Okay. Easy money. Yeah. Right? Absolutely can do that. That is a great, great call out, but business fundamental companies that have done well for a hundred years, they spent less money than they make. And they make exceptional products and they take care of their customers. Pretty simple. Yeah. Back to our friend, uh, Munger and Buffett and, exactly. um, you know, kind of calling out that, that law of shitty click, click throughs concept. It's mm. these things rise and fall. You have to have that long-term view and be ready for when they do come back around. hundred percent. I think I'll post a hot take on Twitter saying that, uh, anyone who says any sort of channel or placement is, uh, going to save their business like tiktok shops is a uh, an asshat let's see how that goes yeah i think that'll that'll play well yeah with, yeah, yeah. Uh, the twitter community valid yeah we're definitely gonna have a lot of churn on heatmap.com after that that tweet <laughs> <laughs> let's keep the conversation going yeah i love it who inspires you i'm gonna have some cheesy ones and then some good ones yeah all of the above my wife inspires me a lot because of kind of like endless compassion and willingness to keep going like when things are tough. I mean, I think anyone who Love it. is married and has kids will pretty much say the same thing. It's like, dude, my wife is way cooler and better than me. You should be pumping, <laughs> punching above your weight class, by the way. <laughs> Wise words. Yeah. Seeing my parents, a lot of the things they've done um, and gone through, my dad's an immigrant. So just seeing stuff him and my mom went through to build our lives like endlessly grateful and just kind of like an endless reservoir of, you know, get up off the mat from watching them. Yeah. And then like through history, I think there's a few different people who kind of will endlessly inspire you. One of them for me and people might disagree with this one, but just watching someone, uh, you've heard me say this a thousand times, so forgive me, but, uh, there's a few people who have had impact on history, have not had as much impact on history as people like Napoleon Bonaparte. So I think coming from very humble beginnings and being able to essentially rule all of 
all of Europe is a really incredible story. I think also apocryphal in that if you become too big for your britches, as my grandfather would say, no matter how much you think you're in power, it's pretty fragile. And so yeah. over the last few years, how many people have we seen that thought that they were invincible and because of some mistakes that they made that were heinous as hell because they thought they were invincible, you know, they lost all, they lost everything. Now they hurt people along the way. So fuck them, obviously. But I think my kind of big one is every time you read these stories that are histories, it's stay humble and stay hungry is kind of a thing my brothers and I say to each other all the time. So stay humble. Don't get too big for your britches. Stay hungry. Like you got to keep yeah. going, you know, like a shark never stops swimming and looking for food. Mm-hmm. Like you got to keep just swimming and looking for food and then you'll be this dense muscular thing. That's a machine. And, uh, it's a very visceral kind of example because like, oh, the sharks are kind of killing machines. But if you look at it, like learning, growing, all of those other things, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're essentially trying to stay alive by kind of keep swimming forward and growing. And they grow by obviously eating other fish. But that's kind of the entire point of life, in my opinion, is you keep moving forward and you keep growing as much as you possibly can. Obviously, financial outcomes are just an outgrowth of that growth if you're pointed in the direction of commerce. I love it. Yeah. If you were a teacher or something else, you would just be writing papers and helping students and all of those things. Same, same concept. We're just pointed in the direction of dollars, you know? Yeah. Just so happens. Yeah. yeah. Things, things change and ebb and flow. And I think it's that constant search and quest for improvement and learning and betterment of yourself and your family and others and your clients and teammates. And that's, that's a, kind of what we're essentially doing and love that answer. Hundred percent. And if you grow and get strong enough, eventually you can become the 49ers. You know, that that's that can happen too. <laughs> Ninety-five, man. Never forgive you. Never forgive you. Ooh, the Charger Niner rivalry, the Padre Giants rivalry. What rivalry? We suck. Like the Chargers suck. <laughs> Maybe a little more with the Giants and the and the Padres over over the last thirty years, but Chargers and Niners, it's a tale of people who couldn't win and people who could win. So it's not no rivalry. It's just jealousy. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty, you know, and Hey, live to fight, live to fight slash play another day. Right. Yeah. yeah fingers crossed, man. It's a good one to end on right there. Yes, sir. Quit while I'm ahead. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I appreciate you, man. This was, this was lovely. Thank you for the amazing questions. Chase, you're, you're so well respected within a number of communities. There's been awesome, life and work lessons dropped. Uh, thank you for those that want to learn more about you that don't know about Chase Moseni. Where can we find you? LinkedIn. You can find me there. Twitter. Uh, I'm My handle is I'm Chase Moseni. And if you know... You are. Yeah, I, that's, that's what it is. And if you know how small companies work, you probably can figure out my email address. Gmap.com is our URL. So you might be able to figure it out. Challenge accepted. Yes. Uh, I'm excited to see what you guys are building, um, and particularly as an agency, we're going to be plugging in and going ham on the product and helping our clients improve all the things and pages and conversions. And I'm excited to see what you guys are building. There's a lot of exciting things happening with Heatmap. So congrats to you and the team. And I'm sure you'll be, they'll be dropping updates for us all as we follow along and, and, and work with you on it. I uh, feel sad for everyone who's going to have to deal with my tweet storms. So enjoying it. Yeah. Remember everyone, always be testing. with. There it is. Thank you. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye.